this is Chris Browning, and I play Preston Borders on the new season of Bosch, and you're listening to the Everybody Counts Podcast. Welcome back for season five of the Everybody Counts Podcast. It's official now. We're going to be discussing actual episodes from season five of Bosch on Amazon Prime. I'm Tracy, and I'm here right now with Pete. What's up, Pete? What's going on, Tracy? What's going on, everybody? Are you ready to bosh it up? I'm always ready to bosh it up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big weekend. Lots of boshing going on. And um, we're going to get into our segments, do a little case review, some interrogation, persons of interest, look at our evidence locker, our tip line. Going to have some of Pete's trivia. And then Special. we have... Oh, special trivia. Extra special trivia? Did I? Yeah. We're going to finish off with an interview with uh, one of the characters that we meet in the first episode. So uh, we'll fill you in on that later. So first, a little bit of news before we get into the nitty-gritty. There's a contest out there. Check Michael Conley's Twitter feed. Um, I believe it's still going. If you use hashtag Bosch Amazon in a tweet, one tweet will get picked. I'm assuming randomly. I don't know all the rules, but one person, one user will get picked um, to get like, a signed copy of his next book and be used as a character name in in a future book. Um, I'm not sure if it's that one or another one, but I mean that's pretty cool. That's very cool actually to the chance to be have your name used as a character in a Michael Conley novel. What do you think, Pete? Does Pete sound good? Um, yeah, and I, I figure I increase my odds every time by just doing it as many, as many times as I can. Hashtag Bosch Amazon. I talk about the show as much as I can, and hopefully I'm there randomly picked. All right. Um, and also, coming up on April 24th, there is going to be a Reddit AMA, which I understand stands for Ask Me Anything, with Henrik Baston and Michael Conley on Reddit, on the Bosch TV user group. So go to the Bosch TV um, group on subreddit, rather, on Reddit, and they will do an Ask Me Anything on April 24th. Meanwhile, just go out to that that subreddit, look at all that's going on with the feed and questions and theories and comments. There's a lot of great activity going on out there for Bosch fans. And you can also check out there what time um, the AMA is scheduled for. But mark that on your calendars. And then finally, I just want to draw a little attention to um, an article that I saw um, that people have been posting on Twitter. It's from The Hollywood Reporter by John Elaine Guzik. hope I'm saying that, that correctly. But um, it's in it, the article talks about how the Jeep Cherokee was chosen or used as Bosch's vehicle. And it's just really interesting. It, it just gives some insights about the character that, that we're all familiar with. Um, but one really funny thing in there is that apparently originally it was suggested that they use a Dodge Charger for Bosch's vehicle. And right away, Michael Conley was, this is not Harry Bosch's car. You know, because Bosch is not a showy guy. You know, he's not going to have um, a, a car like that. And, uh, but it's just some interesting insights, thinking about how things could have gone and just how much we appreciate 
the show for the for the way it is and being so faithful to the character of Harry Bosch. Um, so look for that out on the Hollywood Reporter. That was a very interesting article. So I think that's the news for now. Are you ready to kick off our case review, Pete? Yeah, of course. That's why we're okay. here. All right. We'll just kind of run through them quickly. The different stories. We don't. We're not going to. Yeah, you know, people have seen the episode. We're not going to go into all the details. Okay, I'll, I'll start. I'll just throw out a couple of story points. Like we start off, we have a time shift. We don't quite realize what time it is or where we are. And um, Harry's in this strange, dirty, stinky camp. Um, we do know it's 15 months later after season four. But other than that, um, you know, we're not really sure where he is or, or what's going on. Um, they do give us a little bit of um, a few reminders about season four as, as the episode first opens to kind of just set the scene and refresh our memories. Then before the credits roll, we, you know, we see Harry in this camp. These uh, folks are getting pills, rations, sleeping in nasty, yucky quarters. Uh, you know, what's going on there? Then all of a sudden we have an, another time shift to two weeks earlier and we're back at Hollywood division. So what's do you, what's going on at um, Hollywood division? Pete, why don't you pick up there? Well, we saw that, um, that what Pierce mm-hmm. was by himself at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh-huh. No and he didn't have a, yeah. He didn't have nobody with him. Um, who else? Where was, was that? Was the J Edgar in there? Oh, Edgar was not in there right away. When they flip back, um, we've seen these detectives before in past seasons, um, Espinosa and Conniff, and they're briefing everybody on a recent murder case, and they're um, talking about how it looks like the killer used a signature. So they're in the room. You see Harry, you see Billet, um, but you do not – you see Pierce, but you do not see Jerry. So they all get called out for this on robbery. Um, that suspected they receive, I guess, like a 911 call. And so Jerry's not there right now. Um, we find out later that Jerry is um, talking to two other detectives from another division about wanting to use one of his CIs to get some information about a recent drive-by shooting that killed two young children. So they're, they're drawing upon Jay Edgar's um, contacts to try to get some more information about someone who's recently been released from prison that they think um, they think may be a suspect. So he, he, he ends up meeting everyone out at the, um, the pharmacy where there's this uh, robbery, robbery homicide that has occurred. Uh, why don't you describe a little bit, Pete, about what happened there at the pharmacy when we, when we first see the pharmacy we see a father and a son, and then we see some folks outside. What kind of what goes down there? Okay, what we had. What I remember is the father was arguing with the son, mm-hmm. and the son left. But the yeah. the people, the bad guys, they um, they they waited. They waited for the the, um, the innocent people to leave to clear the area. Like the the guy kept saying, "Wait, uh-huh. I know." Yeah. So like. You know, somebody was a regular, you know, law-abiding citizen walking in to get their medications. They didn't go in and just, you know, God forbid something happened. I mean, they're still bad guys, but I do respect a little bit of their moralism of, you know, waiting until the coast was clear 
to go in to do their job. But they were horrible people, and they and they kind of just came in and and the guy the guy said I don't I don't I don't carry what do you say I don't stock the uh, oxy anymore. So right, obviously right. we know we know what they're looking for at this point. And. Okay. They ask about his son, and he he says his son has nothing to do with anything. Whatever the the issue is, he's you know he's obviously protecting his son or saying he has nothing to do with it. And then, and then the poor guy. Uh, yeah. Rest, rest in peace. I mean, you can't really say much more about that, but yeah. you know, I you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Somebody had to go quick to be the suspect of our show. You know what I mean? Of this season. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a terrible scene. Um, they're grabbing up pills and stuff. Um, he's on the floor, but outside there is you know another innocent bystander that that sees these guys walk in, and they already have the masks on, and um, she calls it in. So that's when it's a two eleven, and they Hollywood gets called out to come to the scene. So. Um, Pierce offers to drive. They're heading that way, and uh, Creighton Barrel hear about the call as well. Why don't you talk about what's going on with them? Well, there everybody's rushing to this scene, and um, the the driver hears the passenger gives the driver um the clear. Okay, we're clear, but there's mm-hmm. people. There's another patrol that's flying down the intersection. And keep in mind when there's a, when there's a situation like this and sirens are on, it's so hard to hear. And red lights don't matter to that to the law because everybody's supposed to yield for them anyway. So mm-hmm. the only way they could get hit is from another law enforcement vehicle on the scene or like a paramedic or something or a fire truck. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the way the, the, the intersection was set up, there was another truck block in the full view. So he just had to yeah. go. And yeah. you know, it was it was too late. It's one of those. You know, we call it, you know, in sports, they call it a bang-bang play. It just, it's mm-hmm. just a, uh, it happens. Both sides are probably equally to blame at this point from what I saw. But throughout okay. the episode, everybody has different opinions. And sure. they, got, they got into a bad fender bender. And now it takes up all the attention off of, you know, what's going on inside the robbery, which is very important exactly. also. So it was yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. An officer turns away and misses the guys coming out the back. Yeah, so it it definitely impedes that investigation, and um, you know we'll get into it. The story will get into it more later, but you know there's an obvious um, disdain sort of between Powers and Beryl, and um, Powers is you know saying that Beryl is too old and and he couldn't hear or you know doesn't know what he's doing, and then. Barrel is firing back at him for, you know, saying he's, you know, young and, you know, green and he doesn't know what he's talking about. So, it, you know, there's a lot of tension there as well, which, you know, is obviously going to be an issue um, down the road. So as far as figuring out who's responsible, who's, um, you know, is someone going to get in trouble? You know, we don't know at that point. They're just, they're butting heads. So, um so the robbers, murderers have escaped. Um, they don't see their getaway car. He's gone. He, when he saw the police arriving, he didn't know what to do. He fled the scene. And um, so they end up going out and to a parking garage 
I guess, adjacent uh, to the area. And they just clock this guy, put him in the trunk, and take the car. They end up driving out away somewhere else. They end up killing the guy, dump the body in a dumpster, um, and they abandon the car So and, and walk away. By the end of the story, he do, they do meet up with the um, getaway driver, but it's definitely a, a roundabout and very tragic um, way of getting back to the getaway driver. Um, when all this is happening, before Harry even gets to the scene, he gets a call from Maddie about one of his cases being reopened. And we're kind of like, how, you know, how does she know about a case being reopened? What's going on? Well, it turns out Maddie is sort of interning, volunteering at the district attorney's office. Um, it's, it's during the summertime. And uh, she's been told about it from this young man named Tom that works there. And, um, you know, she's upset, uh, you know, naturally about her dad. She's concerned for him. So she gives him the heads up. But at this point, you know, we're not quite sure where that's going to go. Um, it's, she's referred to as the Skyler murder case, Danielle Skyler. Um, and someone has been convicted. It's, it's over 20 years old. Preston Borders is his name. He's been, he's in, uh, he's a lifer in jail. And now it's being reopened. There's uh, talk of some sort of um, new evidence or a confession uh, by someone else. So, you know, we don't know what's going to happen there. Um, what else we have going on this episode? Um, Jay Edgar. Have, yeah, Jay Edgar, you know, is meeting with those detectives, trying to, you know, he, he says, you know, he says, I'll try to see if the guy will talk. I, I don't so, like those guys. You don't like those guys? Okay, tell me. What no, I, I got a bad vibe from those guys. The way okay. he was the way they introduce new guys, they just seem fishy. And we all know that, you know, in a boss show, there's always some sort of um, law enforcement characters that's just, you know, doesn't, doesn't just call outside the lines, actually has other interests that end up affecting the show. So I'm going to keep an eye out on those guys because I, okay. I don't trust them. And another one that I don't trust is that guy, Tom. Which I want to see how he de- yeah I want to see how he develops throughout the season. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in a, you know later on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, so it's a it's a it's definitely some a, some old favorites and you know a new cast of characters too. A lot of stories going on at the same time, um, and yeah, you see that a lot in Bosch, and that that kind of challenges the viewer, which I think is great. You know, it, it makes you think, and I think that's what a lot of us like so much about the show is you really do have to pay attention and uh, keep up with, with what's going on. You know, I think it's great that it, you know, it should be somewhat of a challenge. So uh, that's interesting that you uh, pointed that out because we, we don't know. We don't know who we yet and who we can trust necessarily. So um, that's, we, we also have an officer-involved shooting that has occurred. We see, uh, we catch up with Chief Irving just a little bit. There's a new DA, a new district attorney, Hines. And they are swapping back and forth a flash drive with some body cam footage of an officer involved shooting. Um, there's speculation that things did not necessarily go per protocol. Um, it's really hard to tell. There's political issues involved, and, and it's just difficult to uh, navigate what really went down. So we know there's going to probably be more of that um, 
coming our way with that story developing. But then I think one of the, I mean, gosh, there were, there were horrible murders. I mean, that's horrible. But one of the creepiest things for me that happened in the episode was towards the end when Maddie um, starts stealing passwords and stuff and watches that video of the Preston Borders guy um, from his initial interview back over 20 years ago. What did you think of that, that interview footage, Pete? I thought it was it was a good it was if you're gonna put that footage in this season, episode mm-hmm. one was the place to place it, the placement okay. for it. It it yeah. was because it makes you think, it makes you, you know, cringe a little bit, it, it kinda makes you wonder things. And the first thing that I thought of, which is something that I wanted to talk about a little bit later on, but now we're here later on, um, Maddie and working, you know, through the police department in in a, or in a different division and have yeah. access to these things and overhearing things. And her father is not, you know, employee of the year over there. You know, he doesn't have yeah. a lot of fans. He's not a fan favorite. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I never thought someone like Harry Bosch would allow his daughter to work in, you know, anything that's connected to what he's connected to as far as the police department and law enforcement on top of especially what happened last season. And it's so recently fresh. Still, at this point, the timeline didn't go too far apart, I believe, from what I'm seeing. I hope, you know, I don't know if I'm wrong, but it looks like it's, it looks like it happened recently, like last season. Well, one thing, did what happen last season? That, um, with his wife. Oh, yeah, he lost, with uh, Eleanor? Is that yeah, he lost his wife. Yeah, yeah. Something that had to do with, like, a law enforcement yeah. situation. Why would you allow your daughter to get involved in it, even at the, right. the easiest yeah. level? It doesn't seem like well, a boss thing to do. So, an interesting thing is, is I, I see what you're saying, but we've got to look too that Maddie has grown up quite a bit. She's, you know, becoming a young woman, and she clearly has a mind of her own, and you know, is making decisions on her own. So, you know, it's that comes to that point where maybe Bosch doesn't want her to work there or volunteer there, but does he really have a say in it at this point? You know, we're getting to a new sort of dynamic with them. I mean, I don't think she wants to go against her dad in any way, but it's going to be interesting because now we have this young woman, um, you know, she's not a kid anymore, so she can make a lot of her decisions. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be very interesting. So, um, but yeah, I thought that that old interview footage was super creepy. Um, just the way the guy pressing borders was chomping on that gum and just being so smug and, you know, just, you know, denying everything. And then he stares up into the camera at the end. I'm like, if he didn't do it, um, he's done something because he seems really creepy to me. But let's move on into our interrogation room. Um, did you come up with a question for me about the uh, You episode? know what? I did have a question for you. It's okay. a little bit more about the overall season and the future of Bosch compared sure. to the question about the episode per se, mm-hmm. but it has to do with what we just spoke about. Okay. <clears throat> Madison is old enough now that she can make her own decisions. In in the Bosch world, is Madison going to take on a role in law enforcement, like take up the family business, or is Madison going to get another kind of job somewhere and still be, you know, a main character, but not involved in law enforcement? Like, what, what do you see Madison's role long-term in Bosch over the next, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons? 
Do you think she developed it into a law enforcement or something else? It would really surprise me if she did not do something uh, with law or order, you know, either, you know, law enforcement or with the justice system um, with the law. So it would really surprise me. That that would throw me. They'd be like, oh, you got one over on Tracy there because <laughs> her instincts and just her behaviors and her um, innate curiosity, even when she's talking to her dad about things and they're talking at the end, you know, about that old case being reopened. You know, and he's talking about, you know, he found the pendant and it was just, you know, cut and dry. And she said, but wait, if it's so cut and dry, why is it being reopened? You know, she's very um, analytical. So, you know, I just think it's part of her. But so that that's that's my gut feeling. Um, what about you? What, what do you think? Um, if the show was entitled Bosch and about Harry Bosch, uh, you know, a law enforcement guy, so uh-huh. bold. So bold and plain cut, like, you know, just, you know who he is when you look at him and you, you know, we know the character now. We know him in and out. We know more than he does about himself, I feel. But uh, I think she's definitely going to be involved in law enforcement. And I think it's just going to be, over time, she's going to get involved in it. And, you know, it's it's a very interesting dynamic of having, you know, Bosch has never had, you know, someone so close to him. You know, Jay is like his brother, his partner. But now yeah. your daughter might be involved in law enforcement. Now, I think it'll be interesting, though, where, what department she lands up in. Yeah. Does she end up in the apartment of the people who are always investigating Harry, or does she end up in mm-hmm. Harry's side of the department? You know, like, I'm very yeah. curious about that, if it, you know, if it yeah. goes that way. For sure. Um, well, um, my question for you, were you, um, what did you think of the beginning? Did you, I mean, there was discussion of, Harry going undercover, you know, even from Amazon, you know, and, and, you know, tips on the, you know, what to expect from the new season. You know, we, I think we had all probably heard that he was going to be undercover. Did you immediately assume that that was him being undercover? Did you question sort of the timeline or why was he there? Did it, did it, you know, throw you off or are you like, what'd you think? I was less confused with the open because okay. of what Amazon had leaked about the about the okay. new season, as far as Larry, Harry okay. being on the cover, yeah. and I and I and then when they shift back to two weeks earlier, anybody who knows me knows that I love when something happens on a TV show or a movie in the beginning, and then they go back and show you how it led to that or how it happened. I say it all the time sure. for every every yeah. time it happens. I'm yeah. a big fan yeah, of that. So yeah, when you put that. But what you know, one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and you know, a new season, and you just give me all this at once. It's like you know, it, it's just like my birthday. So I was very yeah. pleased with the setup, and knowing okay. what I know about these characters, I'm you know, I'm so involved with these guys that you kind of know when something's off. Like you know, that wasn't him. Real. I, I was looking at it like, all right, the guy's got a cane. You know, he's limping. This isn't Bosch. Uh-huh. You know, he's playing. Yeah. He's playing somebody else, obviously. Okay. Just who? Okay. Okay. You know? Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I um, I, I, I assumed, you know, easily that he that was him being undercover because when I interviewed Titus Welliver in Atlanta at the SCAD ATV Fest, he was he was pretty open about that portion of the show that he was going undercover with some really bad guys. So I was like, okay, this is what you know, this is what he's talking about, and you know, I have you know, some history with the books. Um, so it made sense to me. What did not make sense to me, I was like, whoa, why are we doing this now? 
but um, so that threw me a little bit. But like you, I liked it because I think that's great storytelling. Like you're just you get this, you know, interesting. You know, you're not you you have questions. You don't know what's going on. You know what's going to happen with that gun, and then boom, we're you know we're back in time, and we've got to build our way back to that point. And so it's constantly making you crave for how did we get there and and what's going to happen. So I, I think it was a a great choice. Um, all right, let's, let's move on to person of interest. Is there someone you wanted to just highlight from the episode that, uh, for any particular reason, not as a suspect necessarily, just who do you want to highlight this episode? Um, all right, my person of interest in this episode has probably got to be Robson because. Okay. We only saw we only saw what appeared to be you know I, I I have subtitles so I saw them you know say the name Robson it would seem like he said the name Robson when um, Irvin was looking at that video of the shooting so I believe okay. that has something to do with him but he's one of our main characters in the Bosch world and he was nowhere to be seen on this episode so for me yeah. he's one of my I'm favorites. Back you up. I'm going to back up there because they said Robson, not Robertson. They're not talking about Jimmy Robertson. Okay. So Okay, yeah, it's a different it's a different cop. Yeah. Okay. So that's even that's even better because yeah. now I really want to know why he wasn't mentioned or seen in this episode yeah. when he's one of my favorites oh, yeah. and one of <laughs> Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah, your person Why? of interest is still Robertson because we didn't see him. Where is he? What is going on? Yeah. No, it's a very good point. All right. And he, is he one of your favorites? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a fan too. I'm a fan too. So I'm, I'm anxious to uh, to find out what's going on there for sure. Um, okay, I'm going to highlight um, Jose Esquivel Jr., um, we didn't see him much. We saw him angry with his dad. He walks away, and when he returns, there's police everywhere, and his father is dead. I mean, that is just awful, obviously, um, but he does not proceed to go see what's, you know, get more information or even see his father's body. He runs. He flees. Uh, we don't know where he's going and obviously we don't know the whole story there, but he looks super scared, not just sad and upset. He seems scared. So um, let's keep our eyes on him and see what's going on there. Um, okay, evidence locker. What, um, any pieces of evidence that you recall or clues that we have at this point? I mean, I will say, um, as far as the case being reopened with Bosch, he he told Maddie that he found a pendant, um, the murder victim's pendant, in Border's apartment. So that's, you know, obviously some evidence information. Um, what else do we have? I think we have a lot of evidence in this show, in this episode, because they're okay. setting up a lot of things. I mean, they talked about the oxy. We saw the, the people that Bosch is walking around with being, you know, transported with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we saw the things with the with the Preston Borders case. So I believe there was a lot of evidence. Um, also, let me ask you a question. When he went into the um, to the guy's house after the shooting, Bosch um, investigating the, the pharmacy robbery, and uh-huh. remember he found the gun? Yeah. 
Yep. Was that the same gun that he had in his backpack when he was on the cover in the first scene that they took out? We don't know. We don't, we don't, we, I mean, that's an interesting speculation, but we, we don't have any confirmation of that. So let's, so. let's put that in there just in case as a possible, maybe since it is, a, you know, it could be, it could okay. be a clue, I feel so. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we do know that they left the masks behind too. We saw that they, they yes. dropped them there. So that's going to obviously be some information. Um, and they know that here, they found the, the masks are out there, but they also know they went out the back. That's where, Bosch directed Pierce because the front door had been locked um, so from the inside. So they, they would have had to exit elsewhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah, putting some, you know, putting some clues together, laying the groundwork. Um, just want to go over a few things from our tip line. We did hear from some folks on Reddit and then um, our listeners, Sister Teacher and Sharon. Um, Sharon says, this may just be me, and if so, I need a little help. I tried. Twice even because I rewatched, but I simply do not like Tom. Please help me find some redeeming quality in him. He just has this creepy vibe that I can't get past. I suppose it might have something to do with him feeling the need to show Maddie how to staple papers with a machine that takes five times longer to do than the way she was doing it. If you want to impress Maddie Bosch, I think you're going to have to up your game a bit. I'm kind of with you there, Sharon. I mean, it just. It's like, it would seem like a little too much, you know, like, you know, Maddie is, if he knows her at all or has seen her working, I would think he would see that she's pretty independent, you know, a self-starter. She can figure things out. It seemed a little condescending to be like, oh, let me show you this, you know, whatever. But I don't know. You said you were suspicious of him as well. So we will see. Um, Sister Teacher uh, she sent us an email. She said, the opening was different and had me wondering, since it showed Harry undercover already, I wondered, how did he get there? It is so much anxiety waiting to see if Harry will be shot with them playing Russian roulette. Then it got to some normalcy with the crime at the pharmacy with almost the entire squad responding. Uh, she pointed out Jerry and Harry are still partners. That's a good thing. Um, Crate did say clear, and I didn't see the car coming until Beryl was in the intersection. Talk a little about that. Um, the thugs were ruthless with killing anyone at will without any mercy and didn't leave behind any evidence, such as shell casings from the gun, except they were careless when they left the masks as they got away from the pharmacy. The biggest issue is the old case with Harry and Chief Irving when he was a lieutenant. I didn't know they had that much history. Although Harry is the face of it and his name is in the forefront, it will hurt Chief Irving, too. She pointed out that we didn't hear anything about Bradley Walker, um, and she said it's a very interesting season with multiple storylines. So uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts at Sister Teacher on Twitter. And then we heard it from um, some folks from the subreddit, Bash TV, out there on Reddit. Vance Extra um, talked about the, um, the collision as well. So the SUV driver blocked the view, and I think he pointed that out too, Pete. Another example of the Bosch writers wanting to show the reality of being a cop on the street and how partners try to work together to keep each other safe. Um, also said, I was a little thrown at first by jumping right into Bosch undercover, but it is an excellent episode. Junior, Esquivel, is definitely on the run, but where in the world is he headed? So many questions. Um, and uh, Zempom from the subreddit just said that in the right um, that Creighton Barrel 
or in the right on that um, intersection collision. There's a whole thread out there on that subreddit with people giving their opinions on what what happened in that intersection. Um, so lots of um, talk about that. So, all right, uh, Pete, before we get on to our interview, hit me up with your trivia. All right, it's time. So, time. <clears throat> one of our, one of I got some help this week from one of my CIs and one of our favorite fans, Sharon, mm-hmm. actually yeah. submitted a couple of trivia questions on my behalf for me, which I will read to you now. To be fair, <laughs> I have two. I have two, and okay. I got one right, and I didn't get the other one right. So okay. I played the game myself, and I'm fifty uh, percent. Let's see if you okay. can top me. <laughs> no so question, question number question number one, the easy question. What spice was Maddie's dish in need of? Paprika. There you go. Ding, 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 ding. It's one for you. Yay. Okay. Now Did the more difficult. One? Yes, that was the one that I got. Okay. <laughs> the right. more difficult yeah. question was, what was the tail number of the plane they used to fly the shields to the compound? Oh, dear goodness. <laughs> I can see Jay Edgar taking a picture of it, but I do not remember. It seems like it had a T in it, T-N-A-O-6-7-4-X. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Y-Z-Niner. Yeah, we're both nowhere near the number. Um, it's actually <laughs> N-O-4-1-5-0. Wow. Wow. Good one, now, Karen. I did have to come up with a special super trivia question of my own because it's just my nature. So this is my trivia question. Okay. When, she, when she's watching the the video of the Borders interview, uh-huh. what was the date and time of that video? Oh, man. I think I did actually look at that thinking that you would um, ask me about it. It seems like March 11th. 1992? You get hit. It's March 11th, but it's 1996. Okay. 96. Okay. All right. I get half a point. One from Sharon's and a half a point for yours. I'll take it. I'll take it. Got to keep my eyes peeled. Uh, I, I do watch that way now, uh, uh, along with trying to figure everything else out. I'm trying to figure out which trivia questions you're going to ask. Well, we're going to end it off this week. Uh, we've talked a lot about this fella um, during the podcast, Preston Borders is played by Chris Browning, and uh, we had the opportunity to speak with him, and um, he is a lot of fun, and um, I think you will enjoy the discussion, get a few insights, and um, we always play our fun game um, at the end, so definitely stick around for that. It is not spoiler-free. Um, I'll just say that up front with uh, the debrief interviews. Um, every podcast episode, at this point, we do not uh, withhold, or we don't block spoilers. So there could be stuff from future episodes discussed. So if you don't want any spoilers past episode one, then just hold off and come back for the debrief interviews at the end. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for all the feedback. Let us know uh, what you think. Let's stay in touch, and we'll be talking about episode two next. Thanks, everybody.
I'm Tracy, <laughs> and um, Jay is my co-host, and we um, do the Everybody Counts podcast dedicated to all things Bosch, and now apparently Bosch right. and Borders as well. <laughs> oh, Bosch and Borders count. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I will start out with the first question. Uh, I'm curious. So, so Bosch describes Borders as a trust fund snot wannabe rock star. Did you get this type of description with your audition? Um, and just in general, how did you try to capture that kind of headspace? No, honestly, that's the first I've heard about the trust fund thing. I, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely got some of the, you know, you know, it's weird that the, the interesting thing about this is there's actually a, you know, the, the backstory is that Bosch put Preston Borders away in the 90s mm-hmm. for killing a girl. Mm-hmm. Right. And and he was he was a he was a, an egotistical you know you got nothing on me cop kind of guy, and, uh-huh. and he was definitely an arrogant dick and and um, but you know he ended up going down for it but the, you know so there is one there is one scene where we see the old interview footage from right. when from when I was first brought in and questioned and stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what team of visual effects gurus are you, you going to have working on this to make me look like <laughs> and, and they're like, well, you know, we're just, it's going to be the old grainy black and white videotape that's, you know, mm-hmm. and it's the camera that's up in the corner of the room and you're just going to be the little spec down there at the table and, and it'll be fine. And, you know, so they put all this makeup and eyeliner and a long wig and leather pants and all the, the flowy shirt and, you know, it was the hairband days. And, and so I look like, you know, Steven Tyler and, and a Jim Morrison <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah, and you do. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. But, you know, up close, it was like, you know, so, dude, it's over, man. What are you doing? You know, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a 50-year-old man wearing a wig, you know? And unless you've already made it, unless you are Steven Tyler, you're just you're just sad. <laughs> you know? Very funny. But but they they uh, we actually filmed so we filmed that scene and that was the audition scene. And oh. the rest of the series, yeah, yeah. So and it's like, well, okay, so that's going to establish that I can play a 90s rock and roll, you know, asshole guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the rest of the show, I'm a convict who's been in prison for 23 years and, and yeah. I'm in prison clothes the entire rest of the series. You know, the seven more episodes, mm-hmm. I'm that guy. And, right. and I didn't even have to read for that. Um, wow. I would like to tell myself that, that maybe they saw some some of my work in prison movies, you know, like Felon or Shot Caller or something like that, and and didn't yeah. uh, feel the need that they had to. But that's just not true. That's just not what that, that is, those are the pages they auditioning for. So. Oh, that's, that's really yeah. fascinating. I had no idea. That's a good story. It is a good story. So they and, they, and the funny thing, they they had uh, uh, so they did they did show that thing and and. That, mm-hmm. that scene, and it's, mm-hmm. in, it's in the first the first episode. Yes. Um, they I even have a, I even have a uh, a band like a publicity photo that that they uh, that they found in a file somewhere, and they show that. So I actually had to come in 
and do a photo shoot, you know, like uh-huh. holding my guitar and doing all these like, you know, 80s hairband publicity shots. And and they even had guys there that were going to be like in my band and I was going to be in the band with them. Uh, but in the end, wow. they just ended up having a single headshot of, of me, like a Preston Borders, you know, lead singer, yeah. Preston Borders shot. Yeah. And, and for that picture, of course, they did have, have the best uh, photoshoppers in the land come in and, and do some <laughs> serious work. For the That's picture. too funny. I have that. I have it. They gave me one. And I, I have oh, cool. It. It kind of, Very cool. It's kind of freaky to see. So the time that's after, amazing. The thing was, I never had that look, but the thing was, that's really kind of what I looked like. I was very kind of pretty back then. I had a very feminine face. That's amazing, and it's funny because yeah, I I wanted to I wanted to talk about the the wardrobe we saw kind of in those flashbacks or whatever because. I mean, obviously, that's got to be fun a little bit to go back to the uh, 90s or whatever and wear some of that crazy stuff. But, you know, I think we saw you with an open shirt and maybe some leather pants and that stuff. And so my my okay. question is, A, you know, was it – did you get a chance to be silly on set wearing some of this stuff? And did you have any input into, you know, how you should have dressed or what you could have looked like? I wouldn't oh, – yeah, I mean, I guess so because there's – there's always, you know, two or three different shirts or two or three different kinds of pants and a whole bunch of jewelry. And um, okay. uh, the wig was kind of chosen for me. I didn't get to pick out a wig, but it was a, it was pretty dark. It was almost, you saw like a black wig, which I thought mm-hmm. kind of wouldn't, wouldn't be right for my coloring, but it actually looked really cool. I wouldn't have picked it, but uh-huh. um, it's, it's uh the, and so I did get to lean on like I like I really like this shirt you know but but you know they always have like the actors first you know that we'll put this down as your first choice and nine times right. out of ten it's not the one they choose but you know it's, <laughs> like, it's nice to feel like you have even though you don't. <laughs> once in a while it's the one you pick and you go gosh I, I'm so powerful. But, <laughs> yes, yes. It's not. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. I'm going to say guilty or not. I, you know, I don't know how it will play out. Although, if Bosch says your character's guilty, I, I believe it, um, full disclosure. But um, Borders, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very unsettling behavior. You know, specifically in that flashback interview, he stares into the camera menacingly after his conversation with Bosch. Um so as far as your character is that, do you think that's more part of, part of Border's sense of entitlement, or is he really trying to be intimidating by staring into the camera like that? Well, that's um, it's interesting that that's, I was going to ask you if that's how that scene ended because we shot okay. it a couple mm-hmm. different ways, oh. and, and uh, one of the, the last the last take, he said, um, you know what? At the end, after after Harry leaves, I want you to just get up and go go approach the camera and look right into the camera. Um, yeah. And, and uh, I wondered if, if is that going to like, you know, are we, are we just trying to mislead people or make them think, Oh, this is guy's definitely a bad guy or, 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 or what. Um, but in the end, I guess it's just, it's just to show that the guy, the guy really is not, intimidated by this at all. He really just is convinced mm-hmm. that he's the smartest, mm-hmm. smartest guy in the room and he got nothing okay. on me and I didn't, I didn't this girl and, and, and yeah. 
know, so the, it, it ends up, people end up really kind of looking at, gosh, like, you know, did he, did he, because what happens is some more evidence turns up and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they have, you know, there's, there's, there's grounds for a new trial and they're trying to, the plan is to get it, get a new trial and, and for Preston to get out and see the city and, and, and make a bunch of money. And, and so mm-hmm. people, you know, that's the question: Is did did, did Dosh railroad this guy, and or, or what? And that's what we're that's what we're that's the question of the season. And, yeah, and, uh, we don't want because maybe the the uh, you know oh Harry Bosch with his with his set of of values is you know everybody bends bends the rule a little bit once in a while. Mm-hmm. I, I, I might be proud of it, but it, you know a girl died, and, and he's convinced that. That borders did it, so you know how much will, how much will Harry, you know, bend the rules to for the outcome. You know? mm, okay. Yeah. So now, it's, now, now it's turning out that you might, you might have done it to the wrong guy. You know, so that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, the <laughs> very effective dun, dun, way with the tape that they chose to use was was very effective <laughs> with that look for the camera. So for sure. So. All right, Jay. All right. Let's talk about your apartment for a second because it's kind of a two-part question, really. Like, who in the heck puts a poster of themselves on the wall? But now that we know that Porter's does, what what do you think that that says about him? And then my follow-up to that is if we come over to Chris Browning's house, is there a photo of Chris Browning on the wall? (laughs) As a matter of fact, there is. Ah, I, mean, I, I just I I just moved into a new place and I got all this old stuff that wasn't in my old place, all these pictures and stuff, and I just noticed that my friend Kate just hung a picture of me right in the foyer, and it's a picture from the uh, a series, a mini series I was in called the called Into the West. Oh, okay. A, a Spielberg mini series on TNT yeah. and. And the, I got some great shots from the photographer of me in my cavalry uniform, you know, tr- trudging uh-huh. through the through this town, and it's uh, it looks super cool. Um, and I had I had that that one framed, and it's it's been a long time since I've seen that that picture, so I'm really glad to see it again. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's exactly to the question about you know who would hang that. Preston Borders most definitely would do mm-hmm. that. I. I remember he, I heard, heard a story that Alex Rodriguez, has, the baseball player, has a uh, has a painting over his bed of himself as a centaur. Really? <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just thought that's so funny. That's amazing. That's I I need to do this. I'm going home right now, yeah. and I'm doing some painting. Yeah. Yeah. Put your smock out. Um, okay. I, I don't know yet from what we've been able to see thus far if you'll be actually in any scenes with Juliet Landau, who plays Border's wife. Uh, but what was it like being on the show with, I mean, I kind of consider her Hollywood royalty. Uh, and then did you know anyone else or anyone in the cast prior to working on Bosch? So, so I'm guessing that that means she, she's related to Martin Landau? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. and her mother, yeah, as well, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, uh, um, you know, it's not the kind of thing that she runs around talking about. Sure. Uh, I, 
Yeah. I remember noticing the name, and I thought, oh, I wonder if, I, if that's uh, any relation. And I guess, yeah, I yeah. guess it is. I didn't really do any research into it, but yeah, she, she's she's my wife since 20 years ago, and and she's also the court reporter, and and we do have scenes together. Um, okay. Great. I know that I know one scene. We're in a couple of scenes together. We have well, there's one scene, um, and most of my scenes, like I said, I'm in I'm in I'm in uh, I'm in prison. So I'm yeah. in a visitation room, or I'm in I'm in like a visiting area where people come, like where your wife would come visit you, and mm-hmm. and I have a scene I have a scene with her uh, doing that. I have. Uh, yeah, there's another one too. There's another scene right there that I can't tell you about, and it gives sure. it gives too much away. But but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean a couple of scenes with her. So you know, she was definitely right. she was she was she was something to work with. I'll tell you that. Nice, <laughs> so, nice. I mean, you just gotta think like, what kind of a girl is just so twisted up that she's gonna yeah. marry a guy that's in prison? Uh-huh. You know, marry yeah, a guy right. That can't ever ever sleep. Right. With. They can't even yeah. Right. Well, he's on. He's on. Yeah. He's on death row. Yeah. Right. So right. Like she's right. never gonna be with the guy, and she's just so dedicated to him. And she she definitely looked into that. Like what what kind of a mindset does a person have to have? You can oh, tell wow. that she's, mm-hmm. she's done her homework. Okay. So did you guys anybody uh, before working on the series? Did you did you come across anyone that you had worked with in another project? Uh, yeah, yeah, Ryan Hurst. Oh, okay. Um, who played? Who was? Who was Opie on Sons of Anarchy? And and I yeah. uh, hadn't seen him since since we were on Sons together. Oh, and okay. So that was nice to have a, have a reunion with him. And we uh-huh. we were in one one scene together. The poor guy was half asleep the whole time because he's <laughs> literally he's, he's literally on three series at the same time. He had just gotten off the plane. He, came, he got off the plane and, and came to work. And he was just like, every time I looked at him, he was asleep sitting up. And then, then it'd be time for him to go, and he'd, and he'd do his scene and crush it, and then just be, you know, back back to the nap status. <laughs> I said, what are you doing, man? He goes, well, I'm doing this. He's doing this show. It's a really good script. I actually auditioned for his role, and I, even when I was reading for the role, I thought, this is Ryan Hurst's job, man. Uh, it's, it's uh-huh. It's written for him, so he told me he was—he's a regular on that. He's on The Walking Dead, and he's on Bosch all at the same time. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. just crazy. I, I do have a question about the two of yeah. you that isn't on our list, though. I do have a question because, I mean, obviously, yeah. I've never hung out with you, so I don't know how tall you really are. But you look pretty tall, and my question is, he looks like a big dude. Who's taller? Um, he, I, I'm six three, two hundred and twenty five pounds, and he makes me look like a toddler. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's hard to, you know, Hollywood magic, you know, but because you look tall yeah. when you're kind of up against yeah. the wall yourself, and you know, and I'm like, you know, camera angles try to make people look bigger than they are, and I'm like, hmm, interesting. No, I'm, I'm actually big. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm just a little, a little toy next to him. He's a massive. That's man. so funny. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's got to be. If he's not six five. If he's not six six, he's six five, and, and he's just, and he's just huge. Yeah. He's just naturally, naturally massive. Nice. And the sweetest nice. guy in the world. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. Good to hear. 
All right. Well, I mean, you've been a lot of fun, but we do have this silly game that we play at the end of our interview. Um, so, um, do I have to gonna, uh, Not much, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's no wrong answer in, in this game. Um, no. Dave's gonna kind of set it up for you, and then we'll uh, roll out a few questions. Yeah, we we, we, ask, okay. we we always ask the good, you know, episodic or character questions, but now we turn to the point where we ask the very difficult questions because they're really silly, and you can't go wrong with the answer. <laughs> but we, you, it's multiple choice, so we have three questions for you. You have two possible answers for each of them. And we're asking you, Chris, not, not your character borders. We're actually asking you. And so your answers, your two okay. choices are going to be either A, Titus Welliver, or B, Ryan Hurst. All right? Question okay. number one. Question number one. If you needed someone to come babysit for you in a pinch, you know, last minute, whatever, which of those two would you choose to be the better babysitter? Ryan Hurst. No, no contest. Uh-huh. No contest. Well, wow. Yeah, no, because because as a as a as a dad, you want to make sure that the kid is safe. <laughs> true, <laughs> true story. Yeah. There, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true story. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. I mean, Titus, Titus Welliver would probably want to be babysat by Ryan Hurst. <laughs> that could be. That could be. That could be. I would be. Um, <laughs> I would be better wanna, knowing Ryan. You would too. Yeah, yeah, we all. We all. Uh, so, who do you think could pull off the Borders rock star wardrobe the best, Titus or Ryan? Oh, Ryan again. Sorry. Yeah, Ryan. Okay. Ryan doesn't no, okay. need he doesn't, even, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. even need the wig. He's already That's got right. like this. He True already, story. He already kind of has like a like a like like a rock and roll kind of vibe, but it's more like a huh? like a uh, Leonard Skinner kind of a rock vibe. You uh-huh. know? He's, uh-huh. he's, he's got he's got kind of that that look. You know, like I I don't know what Titus. I never really see Titus when we're not on set, so I don't even know. Okay. He might he might wear all kinds of crazy flamboyant shit for all I know, but <laughs> I always see a dude in a suit, you know. So so yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, okay. Oh, I like I love it. it. All right, Jay's right. got Jay's got one more for you. Here's the toughest one of them all. Let's um let's fast forward. I don't know, ten years in the future. You've decided to retire from show business. And you have become a uh, world-famous uh, professional mini-golfer, okay? You are the best mini-golfer in the world. Right. You are in um, a huge tournament. The, the prize is like $50 million, okay? You are, you're going in the last round, and you have to choose one of these two to go up against on the mini-golf course. Who would you rather face in mini-golf, Titus or Ryan? Oh well, here's one where I get to say Ryan, by and that actually gives props to Titus because it does. I would not want to go. I would not want to go up against Titus because he seems like he can probably swing a golf club, and I think with uh-huh. with, with uh, Ryan would have a hard time keeping it in in the course. Maybe <laughs> I think I, I think Ryan. Ryan would Ryan would damage stuff. He'd be knocking the yeah, ball off so the mill and shit. Yeah. <laughs> you 
Yeah. yeah. I get it. We're I just putting, Ryan. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's too funny. Down. I love it. So, that is really cool. So who it. would I rather who would I rather partner with? It would be Titus Welliver. There I can answer. There you Titus go. Welliver. Ah, gotcha. All right. <laughs> I like it. Man, you were tons of fun. Thank I appreciate your time, man. Tons of yeah. fun. Yeah. Well you take care. We can't we can't wait to see the rest of the episode, see how this thing plays out. So thank you again for your time and uh Thank you guys. Okay. Thanks again. Bye. Take care, man.